Welcome to the Memory Hole Show, where we talk about interesting ideas, promote freedom, and push back against authoritarianism. I'm your host, Brian. Welcome back to the show, everyone. What a busy last few weeks it's been in the news. But before I jump into the news, I'd like to give a shout out to the Emotional State and Sakamoto team and Haynes Van Eden. I'm really glad you're enjoying the show notes on memoryholeshow.com. It really does help me get past the algorithms so other people can find the articles and podcast episodes. And another thanks to Twitter X user at RealArchieMac. I'm glad you like the episodes. Thanks for that. For everyone listening, you can always hit me up on Twitter if you want me to cover a topic. I only have so much time to find stuff to talk about so I can easily miss things. Okay, so when I heard about this odd-looking fellow, Javier Malay, down there in Argentina, I got excited. He captured so many good ideas, but sadly, he's an outlier. The world is on a very different path, one that is very authoritarian. Listen to my last episode, Fifth Gen Warfare, to hear the tactics of the current war we are all in. Now, as far as Malay goes, I figured it was too good to be true. He was probably saying what people wanted to hear, a Trojan horse or something like that. And then I heard he was going to the World Economic Forum event in Davos, and I became disappointed. In my mind, the possibility that this guy was a phony got a hell of a lot closer to being realized. But then I heard the speech he gave in Davos. And that speech made me think twice. Maybe he truly is the real deal. So I'd like to look at some of that speech with you today. Now, obviously, Javier speaks Spanish, so the audio clips would be more challenging to use. But fortunately, someone put that speech through some AI tool and translated his speech into English using his voice. It's pretty cool. Here goes. Today, I am present to inform you that the Western world is facing a significant threat. It is in danger because those who are supposed to defend the values of the Western world are co-opted by a worldview that inevitably leads to socialism and consequently to poverty and economic deprivation. Now you hear people do this all the time. They loosely throw around words like socialism and communism and fascism or even capitalism, but they have their own definitions. So for the sake of clarity, here's how I refer to those systems and their economic impact. Now with socialism, the means of production is owned and controlled by the people, which really means the government and its large bureaucracy. In communism, it's the same thing as socialism, with the big difference being that, as Marx himself said, there would be no classes. But how do you achieve a classless society and simultaneously organize the means of production? As soon as there are people that manage the means of production, you have created classes in society. Now, with fascism, the government is more lenient with the means of production. They don't care to go through the effort of owning and maintaining the means of production. They simply go for the jugular and control the means of production. In this case, the means of production, which is your efforts and tools to build things, is controlled by the government. The economic outcome for communism, socialism, and fascism, which are all variants of collectivism, are fundamentally the same. The individual and their efforts belong to the state. In a free market, people, individuals, voluntarily interact economically. They offer goods and services to the public and the public can trade their money for those goods and services. It is the opposite of coercive collectivistic systems like socialism and fascism. 
But much of what we see today that is called capitalism is actually cronyism. Under the guise of capitalism, people use the power of government to arrange special deals, like when we see regulatory capture, and then they call that capitalism. The free part in a free market means free from government coercion. Okay, so that's a quick set of definitions that will help put Malay's speech into context. Let's continue on. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-intentioned desires to help others and others by the desire to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. If you ask any young person or any person in general about why they think socialism is a good idea, they'll almost always talk about caring for others or that the system is rigged against them. So for those that care, well, that's a good thing. But unfortunately, these collectivistic systems use force to implement your caring. But most caring people that think socialism is the answer don't see the force part of the solution. And the interesting thing about the free market is that it serves the people best, but unfortunately, it doesn't actually sell itself on that feature. Now, for those people that think socialism is a good idea because they think the system is rigged against them, which I find is usually younger people just starting out or older people that have failed at finding success in life, socialism has the appeal of correcting a perceived wrong. So why not use the gun of the government to redistribute stuff to yourself? What is ignored, though, is how that wealth was created and so-called distributed in the first place. If people were robbing each other, I would be on the side of using force to correct the theft so that the rightful owner of what was stolen would get back what is actually theirs. But this isn't what has generally happened. People who have more stuff than you probably worked for it. They traded their labor and efforts to get that stuff. So to take their stuff would be theft. The people that believe socialism is the answer to a rigged system are actually suffering from envy. But it's easy to fall for that. Envy is powerful and is magnified by the politicians that want you to fall into their trap. It gets twisted by politicians into some type of injustice. Politicians have no problem stealing from some people to give free stuff to you. You become dependent on them and they gain power. The person that was robbed gets no representation and is simply an economic victim or slave. So you can see it becomes easy to justify theft when you believe you were stolen from in the first place because other people have more than you. We are here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world, but rather they are their cause. Trust me, there is no one better than us Argentines to provide testimony on these two issues. Again, things iterate over time. Each time a bad idea fails, it will get repackaged into a new version. Corrupt people don't just quit because they failed, but don't be fooled, it's still bullshit. But what do Argentinians know? It's not like they've lived through the tale of two cities over time. Oh wait, maybe they did. When we embraced freedom in 1860, in 35 years we became the world's first dominant power. Sweet. What happened next? While when we embraced collectivism over the past 100 years, we saw how our citizens began to systematically impoverish themselves until they fell to the 140th position in the world. Yikes. So what went wrong? 
Here, Malay will take us on a little data adventure explaining what happens in a free market and why it's so important. But before we can have this discussion, it would be important for us to first look at the data that supports why free market capitalism is not only a possible system to end world poverty, but also the only morally desirable system to achieve it. Now, as you listen to this next part about the growth rates over time, think about how you would feel in these two different scenarios. In the first scenario, you keep what you earn. And in the second scenario, you give up what you earn to the group. To keep it short, since this episode is a bit longer than usual, when you rightfully keep what you earn, you're willing to keep putting in effort. But when you give up your earnings to the group, you're less likely to want to continue to earn. You'll all of a sudden be concerned with ensuring that other people are putting in as much effort as you do. Because if other people get the same benefits as you, but get away with putting in less effort than you, you probably won't want to put in as much effort. Then it becomes a race to the bottom. And that's the difference. The magic of the free market is incentive. Collectivist models destroy incentive and in the process destroy prosperity. If we consider the history of economic progress, we can see how from year zero until around 1800, the world's per capita GDP remained practically constant throughout the reference period. So to summarize, people were poor as shit. Now let me ask you, would you like to travel back in time and live like that? I'm going to guess everyone listening said no. But let me highlight something real quick. We could say that during this period where global GDP was constant, you could describe that as sustainable. And that is exactly what the Davos crowd pushing their climate scam are talking about when they describe moving our economic system to a sustainable model. They are talking about poverty, but just for us, not for them. If one looks at a chart of the evolution of economic growth throughout human history, one would be seeing a chart with the shape of a hockey stick, an exponential function that remained constant for 90% of the time and exponentially shoots up from the 19th century. Any guesses what could have caused that change, that spike in prosperity? Well, if you said the Industrial Revolution, meaning what happens when people are free are mostly free from government coercion, you would be correct. Now, not only did capitalism generate an explosion of wealth from the moment it was adopted as an economic system, but if one analyzes the data, what is observed is that growth has been accelerating throughout the entire period. So Malay goes on explaining various time periods and the impacts of growth or lack of growth on GDP and consequently human flourishing. To summarize though, things got better and better for everyday people as the effects of the free market multiplied over time. How much better you ask? Now when studying per capita GDP from 1800 to today, what is observed is that after the industrial revolution, global per capita GDP multiplied by more than 15 times, generating an explosion of wealth that lifted 90% of the world's population out of poverty. That's impressive. Well, for us little people anyways. But who that's bad for is those bastards that want to control the world. So they have to make up stuff to claim the gains we've experienced are not from a free market and they have to frame the misery that their ideas produce onto the free market. But you see, collectivism has a history of death. How's that for a caring system? We must never forget that by the year 1800, about 95% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty. 
while that number dropped to 5% by the year 2020 prior to the pandemic. You can see that the controlling rulers for all of history kept the world poor. This is what happens when an economy is centrally controlled by whatever flavor of collectivism is used. The free market liberated people enough from the central controllers to allow for almost the entire human population to flourish. But no, capitalism is greedy and socialism is caring. But then again, I guess that's why the same people believe men can be women and vice versa. Now, the fundamental difference between a free market where individuals make their own life choices and a collectivistic system is that the controlling types have a much easier time gaining and maintaining power to control others in the collectivistic systems. That's why they promote them so hard. And that's why they scapegoat the free market so much. Now, Malay's speech in this clip is over 20 minutes, and I think you get the idea so far about what he's trying to get at. I really recommend listening to the whole speech because it's important for everyone to understand the battle that's going on in the world right now. Here's one final thought from Malay. They claim capitalism is bad because it's individualistic and collectivism is good because it's altruistic towards others. Now, I do think I'll eventually have to do an episode on altruism, but I'm running out of time. So in short, altruism is very popular. If you believe the highest good is to value others over yourself, ask why this belief is popular. The answer will come down to the fact that humans are fundamentally selfish. So this belief in valuing others more than yourself is based in feeling guilty over being self-interested. But guess what? I would rather feed my own kids than somebody else's. It's harsh, but it's true. If I can manage both, then we'll talk about it. The reason why altruism versus self-interest comes up, though, is that these two ideas are represented in the political economic systems we see today. Capitalism factors in the idea of self-interest. It uses self-interest, aka profit motivation, to get people to build things and offer services to others. It uses the self-interest we find in human nature to have people do things for others. On the other hand, collectivist systems take all your money and effort and redistribute it based on some politician's preferences, which leads to people losing their selfish incentives and thus doing as little as possible. To counter these lazy results, coercion and force from the government need to be used. Now, compare the results of a free market, which uses self-interest to drive it, to socialism, communism, which attempts to use altruism as a driver and fails. That's human nature. Leverage it or deny it. The results speak for themselves. The conclusion is obvious. Far from being the cause of our problems, free market capitalism as an economic system is the only tool we have to end hunger, poverty, and destitution throughout the planet.
All content from TheMemoryHoleShow.com and The Memory Hole Show podcast is for the purpose of entertainment and presented solely as opinion.